The independent podcast neurologist has been released of his duties for continuously passing myself and Brad of any brain trauma, despite the fact that we haven't found a way of removing Colin from the podcast. Welcome to And The Kick Is Good. Tucker, it would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good. It's crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good. Time has expired. Justin Tucker with a long... Hello, and welcome to episode 107 of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. My name's Tom, I'm your host, and I'm joined as usual by Colm and Brad. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Guys, <laughs> thank you very much for the one and only time you've ever followed my instructions. Um, it has been a week of NFL football. Um, we are for for the listeners' note. We are recording on Monday night as part of a, a sort of double heading recording session. Uh, so, if some of our analysis is slightly out of date with regards to injuries, etc., that is why. Um, however, that is basically what we'll be doing: is uh, just looking back on the week four games, some of which were tremendous, others were not so good, and some was just a continual head scratch for sixty minutes of football, but about three and a half hours of real time, which felt about like seven. Um, before we get into the games. Is there anything that you two want to bring up from your personal lives, like a cactus or other fauna and or flora? Yeah, so of my sunflowers, you know, one came up pretty strong. He's getting quite droopy now, and I don't think he's going to last a week. Uh, the second one never really kind of got going, but he's, I think, shown more resilience than the other one. So I'm expecting... Morning paper, morning star. Paper mister? Um, you haven't actually put this on the news, um, so it might come as a surprise or not, but I'm just going to kick off with one bit of news that isn't related to the Week 4 games, um, and that's that's that. Um, former Dallas Cowboys tight end Gavin Escobar was um, unfortunately found uh, dead on a hiking trail this week. Um, this news broke basically just before the games on Sunday. Again, not exactly nice news, but I thought it's it's an NFL player or an ex-NFL player, someone that, especially as a fan of an NFC East team, Brad, um, you know, he'll, he'll have been in your life, so to speak, um, but also a name that was kind of on the periphery as a tight end in fantasy. So, yeah, just rest in peace, Gavin Escobar. So we can move on from that to, uh, we will begin with Thursday Night Football, which was the Dolphins at the Cincinnati Bengals, who played all in white, and you wouldn't have guessed it by the fact that Twitter never mentioned it. Um, The Bengals beat the Miami Dolphins 27-15 in a game that very swiftly became not about the scoreline. We might as well lead with a discussion about... Uh, to Atungavailoa because he left this game after being slammed to the turf by Chris Hubbard. Um, he basically didn't move his fingers. I can't remember what the terminology was. Um, fencing is, response is the term that everyone fencing response. To use Thank you very much. Whether they understand it or not. Um, 
but just imagine if you if you like splay out your fingers as much as you can and then kind of cross them whilst they're tensed um, that's kind of what it looks like um, totally unnatural um, especially for someone who basically otherwise wasn't moving um, that would be concerning in itself uh, but when you consider four days prior he was removed from a game and then cleared to re-enter a game after looking uh, I guess unscientifically we should say he appeared woozy um, but he looked like he was unable to kind of walk in a straight line or stand up without the aid of other people he was cleared in that game the team called it a back um, a back muscle injury um, or back, back spasms back neck injuries what they sure. used to cover um, and uh, yes for, for a bit of time there it looked awful um, it appears as though Tua is going to make a full recovery in terms of quality of life. Um, he has been ruled out for week five already. However, it, it does look positive that he is going to play again this season. Um, I couldn't help but be reminded of Ryan Shazier's injury, which happened at, at the Cincinnati Bengals on I believe it was Thursday Night Football but it might have been Sunday Night Football where as I said in the lead up to this game the result the, it just didn't matter after after that injury um, from a footballing standpoint Teddy Bridgewater came in in relief um, played fine um, but ultimately the Bengals won it 27-15 um, and Bridgewater is probably one of the best quarterbacks to take over this job purely from a get the ball in the receiver's hands and let them work because the receivers are Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, you know, even Chase Evans or Raheem Mostert have speed to kind of make plays. Um, but you do, I mean, even for those people that are anti Tua Tungavailoa, Teddy Bridgewater is still like 40% of the quarterback, isn't he? So. There are obvious issues there. Um, do either of you two want to go deeper into the the tour situation or what the league have done subsequently? Sure. So, I mean, I reviewed when I reviewed the Dolphins game last week. I said my hot take was I believed the Dolphins when they said it was a back injury and not a concussion. I'm not feeling as good about that one now. Um, uh, you know, like like I said, at the time, it made sense. And there have been other NFL players like Julian Edelman in the 2014 uh, Super Bowl who took a hit to the head and then said he had, a, I think it was like a leg injury or something, which caused him to struggle to stand up. Now, the NFL have now changed the cushion protocol rules where if you have any gross motor, uh, you know, issues following a hit, you are immediately ruled out for the game. So, for example, Julian Edelman would not come back into that Super Bowl game and catch a, a game-winning touchdown. Of, you know, and again, it could well have been a back issue. We, you know, we still don't know that. But the injury he hit, sustained, looked scary. You talked about Ryan Shazier. It reminded me, I want to say it was Jared Everett last year, the year before. Um, took Donald a big Parham. hit on a Monday night. It was Donald Parham, thank you. Yeah, Monday night football, I believe it was. And again, had a similar neurological physical response and i think the commentators at the time suggested maybe he was shivering because he was cold despite the fact he was clearly laid out you know unconscious at the time um you know it looked ugly 
uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions about the Dolphins, who are already considered a somewhat suspect organization because of issues that have happened over this offseason and a couple of seasons previous. Mike McDaniels, uh, you know, said that uh, Tua came back on the plane with him and they watched McGruber the entire way back and he laughed at the entire movie, which shout out to that movie. It is very funny. I don't <laughs> recommend comedies to Tom very often. I would recommend McGruber. I think he would enjoy it, and I believe Brad would agree with me on this. Yes, McGruber is an enjoyable film, so I would, I'll take nothing away from uh, his neurological response there. Um, I think the the main thing from the NFL's stance has been, first of all, find the person that we can pin this on, uh, which they have done, and they have terminated their contract, their position. Uh, in that sense, which was and, like the independent neurological yes, assessor yes, or whatever, right? Start, yeah. yeah, and now they're updating the protocol. I believe it's going to be updated, or at least discussed to be updated, where any player who has any of this or any of these symptoms will be removed from the game and will not be allowed back into the game, kind of regardless. You know, if there is that initial instance where they look not right they can be pulled and will be pulled from the game. And um, I think that has already happened, by assessment. the way. Yeah. Um, like, uh, whether it was this or not, but Terrell Edmonds, a Steelers safety, um, was was removed from the game on Sunday against the Jets in the fourth quarter um, after a pretty large collision. Um, and now he didn't get up. You know, there was no, like, shaky walking or whatever, but he was on the floor prone so maybe he wouldn't have returned to the game before this but all we can say is this is now in place and he didn't return to the game and he was he he was he was um announced as out of the game very quickly afterwards so Uh, it's same with the giants we'll get to it uh, but tara taylor was declared out very quickly and then later on it was diagnosed as a uh, concussion um, but he was evaluated for a concussion and therefore just pulled out of the game. That's it. You're done. Which is how it should have been for a long time. Um, I don't think I've necessarily spoken to you two about it. And I definitely haven't mentioned it on the pot on the pod. But um, the thing I always go back to to like non NFL watchers is um, there was a Wales versus someone rugby match in the Six Nations probably like five years ago now, and. Uh, George North went into a tackle or was carrying the ball. Basically, you know, he, he got involved in a hit. And he was on the ground and he stood up and he basically faced the wrong way for about three and a half seconds. And, I'm, and, and before he, like, whatever it was, kicked into gear and his basic motor functions kind of went, wait, you're a rugby player. You know, instincts took over. And I... This was before the large push of concussions over here in the UK. And I was just like, there's no way you can leave him in that game. You know, that that is exactly what this NFL rule is here to take out. Is like, if you do not look right, you do not go back in that game. And, and this is, as you said, the NFL doing, again, sort of the bare minimum. You know, they this has, this has had to happen for them to... You know, this wasn't um, preemptive. This was reactive, as with most NFL things. And there's a lot of Miami Dolphins fans, and there have been since Thursday night on Twitter, that stick out like a sore thumb, saying, "Well, he was cleared, and this and that, and this and that." But the don't get it twisted. The, the NFL would 100% rather 
Tua came back last Sunday and played in Thursday night football rather than have to sell Teddy Bridgewater on Thursday night. You like, mean the, the you mean the NFL would have preferred to have one of uh, their highlight quarterbacks uh, up against another QB that's emerging into his own with big story and narrative behind him, <laughs> and that's going to happen on Thursday night football now being hosted on Amazon Prime with a big money contract behind it and viewership expectations. You're telling me the NFL would prefer that over Teddy Bridgewater? Exactly, exactly. And and so I'm not necessarily saying that the NFL told all the independent neurologists or specifically the Miami one you know, the one that was at the Miami game you yeah. know, pass him, get him back in the game but what I'm saying is that they okayed an assessment that is easier to pass than it should have been um, and, and you know I, I think that's the that's the thing that people need to open their eyes to a bit more um, that, that you know the league is, is rotten is the best way to put it, it's not corrupt necessarily but it is it is the the largest apple of of kind of consumerism commercialism that there is like the, the only thing that matters is the money and the people that make it run just just they, now, you know they're, you they're use expendable. an interesting term to say that it's the largest apple are you saying the nfl is bigger than new york in terms of consumerism <laughs> and apple related sizing because i i think there'll be a fight there on your hands tom uh, don't make me use the New York City drop early, Brad. Come on. <laughs> anyway, um, a quick mention of the Bengals. They looked fine in this game. They they scored 13 points to come back from 15-14 all in the fourth quarter. Um, Joe Mixon is not a good running back right now. Um, he looks fine when they give when they can seal off the edge and he can skirt around there for like eight or nine yards, but he can't break tackles and he looks like a fumble waiting to happen. He had 61 yards on 24 carries. Um, T. Higgins loves playing with Jamar Chases. Um, yeah, and, and the defense is doing fine, but not looking immense. Um, they had one sack this game, so. Yeah, the the Bengals are basically exactly what we thought they were last year. A good team, the core lot breaks. Yep. Um, right. Do you want to move on to two more exciting QBs that had a big money well, Seahawks matchup? versus the Lions. <laughs> uh, no, we're on to the Bills-Ravens, which was a bizarre game where you had, going into it, you've got Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, two of the top MVP candidates and some for some fucked up reason we'll never know the weather gods decided to just piss on the stadium just uh, constantly this is an absolute played an absolute downpour somehow only the second worst downpour game of the weekend of which I had the other one uh, <laughs> which is a mess um, yeah Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson combined for less than 400 yards uh, of passing. They uh, threw two touchdowns, three interceptions. And somehow, despite all of that, and it being a, a game where throwing was not really an option and it was all screens and everything like that, it was a great game uh, that finished 23-20 to the Bills on perhaps one of the boldest decisions you can make uh, as a head coach, where the Ravens, who had... Uh, stormed to an early lead uh, were up 20-3 uh, at one point marched it all the way down to the Buffalo 1 yard line uh, and then on 4th and goal at the Buffalo 2 with the game tied 
And even in these conditions, that's a kickable field goal for Justin Tucker. Uh, they decide, let's go for it with four minutes left. Uh, and Tom, I have to ask you the question. Is four minutes 15 uh, left with multiple timeouts and only needing a field goal, even in a hailstorm, is that enough time for Josh Allen to win the game? It is. However, I think that is the point. I think yes. even if you kick the field goal in that situation, you, you do not... You know, the the sort of best-case scenario from how Harbaugh saw it was that they end up going to overtime. Well, now, I guess you could argue that the Bills could go and kick a field goal and then you might get the ball back if you're the Ravens. But I, that's the that's the reason you go for the touchdown there is because if you score the touchdown, then the Bills can score can yeah. drive the field. If they score a touchdown, then then again you might get the ball back. The or worst thing, the worst thing outside of a defensive touchdown happened for the Ravens on that fourth down play. Uh, Lamar Jackson is pressured instantly, has to drop back about. 10 12 yards uh, and then has to just throw a ball up into the end zone and the the bills pick it off which and they pick it off in the end zone which gives them 20 well 18 more yards than you were hoping for you know in your it, if it went wrong they're still at their own 2 yard line and the bill the ravens defense stepped up this game when we're getting stuff done so You'd have backed them at least to maybe force a safety, some dodgy, you know, maybe a dodgy play. But because of that interception, it just gave them the 18 yards. It gave them the breathing room. And then Josh Allen just starts scrambling left and right. You've got these short passes here and there. Sets it all up for a 21-yard field goal to, to win it. Uh, Bill's... Bills at three and one. It, we, we, regardless of, of like, if these teams were both two and two, whoever finished two and two, or if they were somehow you know two one and one, it feels like an injustice for how good they actually are. I think <laughs> the biggest problem for the Ravens has been the defense. They also at one point could have let or pushed Devin Singletary into the end zone, but didn't, which robbed them of a chance to uh, get the ball back as well. But I would love to see this game replayed in the playoffs where weather isn't as much of a factor because I think it would be absolute barn burner material of Seahawks Lions. Propensity. I believe I will judge this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying what it could have been, uh, but not what it was. Uh, I, I think to to give to give credit to how bad the weather was. Justin Tucker got overly emotional about kicking like a 49 yarder or something. Like he, he reacted like he was a superhero, like busting out of his everyday clothes or something. And for, yeah. for Justin Tucker to get that emotional about, and it was like maybe halfway through the third quarter or the fourth, like it wasn't like a game winning one or whatever. So like, you know, the weather's bad when Justin Tucker's overreacting to like a 47 yarder or whatever it was. M mere mortals wouldn't have even considered that field goal makeable. Uh, but Justin Tucker is built different uh, two things from this game uh, Jamison Crowder has broken his ankle and he is done for the year for the Bills so he was there, one of the pickups to replace Cole Beasley that's now not going to work out uh, and also uh, just a shout out Matt Milano for the Bills defense whenever I see the Bills B defense do anything 
it's Matt Milano. And he's rather unfortunate. In the last few weeks, he should have two interceptions. If his hands <laughs> were a little bit better, he would be putting up like early Trayvon Diggs numbers from last season. You know, you know how people will continuously go on about how Keenan Allen is the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Matt Milano might actually be the most underrated player in the NFL because he is <laughs> like he is that guy, and yet most NFL fans will not have heard of him. I will say I'll go one step further. I'll say he is New York's answer to Blake Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. How very dare you. Right, <laughs> Colm, take us through what is the certified bar burner of the week. No questions How asked. How dare you? That's my decision to make. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, those who watched it live will tell their grandchildren of the time they saw Geno Smith and Jared Goff duke it out on Ford Field. Uh, <laughs> this was very nearly a double overbeater. I'm not quite sure if that's the technical term, but Nearly both teams went over the expected over-under for the points of this game. Um, the line was set at 47.5, and, and the Lions were a drive short of being able to kick a field goal to take them over that. Um, it was basically just an all-out offensive slugfest. Neither's team de- defense seemed like it was on the field, except for when Jared got for a pick six. Both QBs went for more than 300 yards passing, and both starting running backs went for over 100 yards. Rashad Penny was particularly devastating, just when the Lions needed to get off the field, Penny would somehow plow ahead, bounce off a couple guys, and fall forward for seven yards. He did that constantly at critical points, and it was an absolute, you know, game wrecker. The Lions' inability to get off the field was helped none by the refs. Uh, on one key down late in the game, um, the Lions thought they had made a stop only for the refs to say they had blown it dead uh, to reset the clock, but nobody had actually heard the whistle. The Seahawks then went to complete a touchdown on their second attempt at that third down. And that was the game winner. TJ Hawkinson had the kind of game which will finally get him into conversations of the NFL's elite tight ends with the likes of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle and Cole Komet. (laughs) He finished the day with eight catches, 179 yards, two TDs and a two-point conversion. The Cole Komet punchline. You see it coming a mile off and it's still funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he had the kind of day where you were absolutely devastated if you were facing him in fantasy football. Um... But we can't talk about this game without mentioning the biggest thing to come out of it, which was DJ Metcalf took a cart right to the locker room so he could take a shit. The final score was 48-45, a scorigami the first of the season. Did you guys watch this one? Inevitably, I caught parts of it. Um, this yeah. is the this is the one you get every couple of weeks or so, where it's like, the Detroit Lions didn't lose, they just ran out of time. Um how, like one thing that you didn't mention is that the Lions were missing Amon Ra St. Brown, they were missing DeAndre Swift, they were missing another passing option I believe um, and yet they still put up 45 points. Okay, let's give credit to the, the normal Lions that we normally give credit to but boy is this Seattle defense bad. Yeah. It, like both defenses were bad, like neither of them just wanted to stop, like you would, like if you were watching it you'd go Oh, he's ploughed forward for another eight yards somehow when it was like third and six. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does Penny keep doing this? Was, the answer was just the Lions were surprised by a run on every third down, even if it's third and short. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, a barn burner of a game. Great to watch, uh, but not if you love defensive football. 
I had to ask this about the opposition quarterback uh, a couple of weeks ago, but Colm, is Geno Smith elite? <laughs> no. <laughs> what if he could play the Lions defense every week? Yes. Okay, good, good to know. I'll um, I'll remember. I'll tuck that one away um, as, a, as a piece of analysis. Good news for Colm then. Uh, next week, <laughs> Bailey Zapp uh, could be... Fa- it will be- could be the starting quarterback against the Detroit Lions. So don't bury the lead. Don't bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, right, Column, we go over to you again then <laughs> to talk about why, just why or why could Bailey Zapp be the starter for the Patriots next week? Well, only one future Hall of Famer started this game, but two finished it. Uh, <laughs> Brian Hoyer went out with a concussion early on. And from then on, it was zap attack time. Uh, injury forced the Pats to get super conservative on offense. Uh, and it was a shame because Zap did show a little bit of skill pushing the ball downfield, particularly off play action. Uh, he completed two passes of over 20 yards. But with his other eight combined passes with that, he did not complete for over 100 yards. Uh, this is because Matt Patricia was determined to, you know, run on first, run on second, throw a screen on third, and, you know not put Zap in a position where you had to let plays develop downfield. Hey, when you've got Ramondre Stevenson, you make it work, all right? Yeah, well, they lost this game, so clearly <laughs> it didn't work. Um, Zap was kind of treated like, you know, that punter that gets forced to play emergency QB because he, you know, he played a bit of high school um, QB uh, rather than like, you know, a guy that played QB at college and was a fourth round pick this year and a future GOAT. Um, but, you know, I suppose getting super conservative is best uh, best thing you can do when you've got a, Q, a rookie QB thrown into his first game with little notice, uh, rather than just telling him to go out there and throw up ducks and hope everything works out for the few, uh, for the best, um, like you know some teams do. For the Packers' part, they tried really hard not to win this game. Uh, Romeo Dubs dropped what would be a game-winning touchdown late in the fourth, and the Packers needed two possessions in overtime to kick the game-winning field goal. I've no idea if this is going to be Rogers' last season, either in the NFL or just with the Packers. But if the team thinks that this could be the case, please sell the farm to get at least competent QB for him, uh, wide receiver for him. Because <laughs> I don't have to watch whatever the fuck this offense is. It is painful to watch. <laughs> I'm telling times. you, it's the, it's the Cleveland Browns Mark II. Like, <laughs> it's straight, that's exactly what that offense is. I the really, Packers really wanted to go to bed. But this game carried on until 1am, and I've been grumpy about it all day. <laughs> Again, the, like the Cleveland Browns. The Packers, from what I caught of this game, the Packers are just not good. And <laughs> I'm not a fan. Like, just, I don't... I reckon... Sorry, watch sorry, this carry game. on. Totally yeah, like, I know they're dealing with... I want to say they're dealing with injuries at wide receiver, but the fact is they've decided to replace most of their wide receiver core with no one except rookies and whatever there's left of Randall Cobb. And that's one thing. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are like on a mission to basically just carry this offense. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers just looks checked out. Like he's saving his good passes for the off season or some <laughs> shit. Like I don't, uh, I just wish like Minnesota were that much better because then it feels like the Packers would have to try but the Packers know they're going to get to face the Bears and the Lions and I don't know I just, teams... I'm not 
I'm not saying 100% that this Packers team beats that Lions team. This Packers team has, like, like, I mean... They, they might rush for 300 yards, but I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> enough do they than, play on, <laughs> against Jared Montana Goff, apparently. Do they play on Thanksgiving this year? I have no idea. Cause that, I mean, the Lions definitely do, but I don't know if they play the, the, the Lions. The Lions on Thanksgiving is going to be... Oh, that's unfortunate. They played the Bills. I was about to say, the Lions on Thanksgiving Oof. is about to be most people's coming out party that the Lions are fun to watch again. Uh, but they play the Bills, so that might be a one-sided affair. But yeah, the, the Packers, I feel like they act like they're entitled to nine wins minimum, and I hate watching them. The the, the Packers, if you, if you have money, the Packers could earn you some serious money. I don't know what the bet would be, but like it doesn't it's feel like... taking the under each week. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't think people it's taking the under until, but... until Vegas realizes they're going to struggle to put up 17 each week. Yeah, like as I say, I don't know what the bet is, but there's there is some good money to be made on. Maybe it's the Packers missing the playoff. Maybe it's them losing the first round. I don't know, but yeah, there's there's definitely something there. I I think my favorite part of watching Romeo Dubs is seeing all my draft analysis come back. And yes, he's succeeding, but like it's it's kind of like in spite of himself half the time. So I'm like happy that he's playing because I have him in fantasy leagues. And it's like, oh, cool. I like him. But I also, I'm also like happy that he's not succeeding enough. It's kind of a weird balance. You know, when you watch a player and you go, you shouldn't be higher any, any higher than a fourth rounder. Ha ha ha. You're playing like a fourth rounder. You know, it's like some sort of weird, weird victory that <laughs> I've got from this. <laughs> anything else? Anything else on the Patriots column? Or... No, other than just get a better coordinator than Matt Patricia for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Tom. Jets at the Kenny Pickett-led Steelers? <laughs> yeah, so um, this was going to be about a three-and-a-half-minute analysis piece uh, that said all the normal things about the Steelers and then made a couple of milfy references to Zach Wilson. Um, but that all changed at halftime. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers managed to find a way to salt away a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter and lose 24-20 to to the New York Jets, who are 2-2, two and two, and real seriously, who the fuck knows how. Um, the Steelers in the first half looked every bit of every single part of the Steelers have looked this season. Um, Trubisky made... He was picked off once, but the ball was deflected off Deontay Johnson's hands. Um, it like it was it was an accumulation of okay, clearly Trubisky isn't doing enough. He wasn't making the killer mistakes, but he wasn't sensing pressure, and he wasn't driving the field the the, the ball downfield. You could you could literally map out drives before they happened because you only had to map out three plays and a punt, um, and so. Tomlin decided at halftime he was going to roll the dice with the rookie. Um, he went 10 of 13 with three picks, so hasn't thrown an incompletion yet, um, or, or should we say a pass that hasn't gone to hand. Um, however, those three picks are misleading. Um, the first one was like a deep post shot that he should have thrown further outside. Um, it was his first attempt in the NFL, and it was probably like 40 to 45 yards downfield. Claypool goes up for it. 
it's a tipped ball, but he should probably do better. It's like 50-50, really, in terms of is it on Claypool, is it on Pickett? A lot of the times it falls harmlessly to the turf. Um, the second one is the worst of the bunch by a mile. Um, he senses the pressure coming off the backside, sees Pat Frymuth in the flat, should just throw it 15 yards over his head, live to fight another down. Um but throws it to where it's a difficult catch for Frymouth. It clings off his hands. It gets intercepted. And then the third pick is the Hail Mary to finish the game. Um, but Pickett did shit that Trubisky hasn't done in four games, or three and a half, I guess. Um, stood in, took a hit to set up the second touchdown run that, uh, that Pickett had. Um, would like roll out the pocket and instead of hitting the three-yard check down, would square his hips and throw the 15-yard over. Bits that that make you at least somewhat kind of excited for the potential that you might not be watching a bottom five starting quarterback, um, even though the mistakes are going to be there. And and that's why he dropped to 20th and that's why he didn't start the season. Um, The Jets are really, really not good. Um, A couple of injuries meant that the Steelers had to play their defense in a certain way, which led to Corey Davis just exploding onto the scene in the second half. He had five receptions on seven targets for 74 yards and a touchdown. And I'm pretty sure all of those came in the second half. Um, Zach Wilson was 18 of 36, and probably two-thirds of those completions were on third down. Um, he was picked twice. He was only sacked once. He really showed his mobility in this game and getting out of sacks and getting out of pressure situations to either throw the ball away or find a check down. Um, yeah, Steelers shouldn't have lost this one. It's a very strange situation where you feel more positive because you know me Well, you expect Mitch Trubisky isn't starting Sunday. Tomlin hasn't actually come out and announced it. But the next four games are... Um, in no particular order, I think it's the Bills this week, and then the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Eagles before the bye. So, welcome to the NFL, Kenny Pickett. Sunday will be the easiest defense you might play ever in your career. Um, enjoy. These two teams are bad, but at least, like which I've said about the Steelers for so long now, right? But at least there's some intrigue about the Steelers. This game, if you look at the box score, is kind of how they want to play. If you combine the QB numbers, they went 17 of 26 for just over 200 yards. Ignore the four interceptions, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The running backs averaged about four and a half yards a carry and had 21 carries. Like, that's what this team wants to do. Um, George Pickens had six receptions for 102 yards and looked like this was his grow-up game. Um, He's put a few things on Instagram, like already kind of quoting lyrics of rappers that i literally can't pronounce their names um but apparently expressing how happy he is with the qb change and pat frymuth had seven receptions for 85 yards like if if the next four games weren't like fucking hellfire i would be a lot more positive about this but in the best case scenario the steelers team goes one and three over the next four and that might be against brady and the bucks (laughs) oh boy so, uh, for my main note is full credit to Hines uh, for knowing a shit show when they see one uh, and getting out of that contract and getting out of sponsorship of the stadium because there is nothing <laughs> that's going to be served over this stadium for a while. How dare you? They're still sponsoring the scoreboard. No, no, sorry. <laughs> they're, they're sponsoring the Red Zone, which might be the worst sponsorship deal in terms of money per appearance there has ever been. Because the Steelers have been in the red zone like maybe seven times this season. <laughs> uh, 
Oh my god. You never know. Mika Fitzpatrick might be able to return one every now and again. <laughs> <See ya. laughs> well, I don't know. He had a knee injury and he's yet to kind of be specified as to what that is. So we'll see what happens. So how soon do you blow it up, Tom? <laughs> how soon does Well this... I think this was the this was the blow it up year. Like I think <laughs> that's the weird thing, right? Is they've just paid Minka like that there's a lot of shit that's gonna drop off this roster at the end of this year. Um, the cornerback signings haven't really hit that well, and I mean the, the Steelers are now zero and seven when TJ Watt doesn't play since he was drafted. Uh, but that's that's phenomenally difficult to do. What about Gunnar Olszewski? Is he going to be on the roster as well? Mm. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> the curse of the Steelers' returner continues. That has been a plagued position since Antonio Brown left it. Colm, any jabs or comments you'd like to throw Tom's way about the Steelers? I suppose I saw people criticizing Tomlin for throwing Kenny into a game, you know, uh, at halftime, giving him like 15 minutes to prep. When obviously there's 10 days between the Steelers' last game and this one, like you know, if you felt like you were going to make a change, should you have done it, you know, after that Thursday night game and give him as much time as possible to prepare to start, rather than just chucking him in halfway through and being like hey, go save the game for us. How do you feel about that, Tom? I think there's two sides to it. I think that's probably a good point in general, but equally, this Jets... Like, if Trubisky was ever going to do it, it was against this Jets defence. And so the fact that he couldn't do it against this Jets defence, like, okay, cool, you you have to pull him now. Um, And, and, uh, like, that works on the flip side in terms of, okay, then you bring in Pickett in against one of the worst defences in the league. Like, that will probably do his confidence a bit of good um, but then like when I was saying there's two sides to it you could you had 10 days to get picket ready for the worst defense in the NFL possibly so yes I understand it however you, you have to look at what you're dealing with in Tomlin and the fact that Tomlin made that switch three and a half weeks in like that is surprising in itself um, and and one thing I tweeted out on on Sunday night was again a sentiment that I've said on this this podcast is like this is why okay if Pickett busts out they wasted a first round pick but the best thing they did was stay where they were and take Pickett and not trade a first rounder from this year to go up to eight and take whoever they wanted to get to or, or wherever they needed wherever the the public thought they needed to get to to draft the quarterback. So even if this turns into a shit show, they lose all their games before they're by, they're one and seven and they finish, you know, four and thirteen or whatever it ends up being, like they get their own top five picks. So yeah, I understand it. it we'll, we'll see what Pickett does. Like he he did more in the half an hour of game time that he had here, including the, the, the rookie mistakes, than Trubisky put on tape basically the entire time. Um, so if, if you're losing with Trubisky and he's not making many mistakes, then why not put Pickett in? Because he might win you a game as well as making those mistakes. Lovely stuff. With that done, we shall head over to... Uh, talk about the other team from uh, where, Tom? New York City. New York City. New York City. By way of New Jersey, uh, the Chicago Bears were uh, playing the New York Giants in a bizarre game. 
uh, that was fun to watch in all the way that a car crash is fun to watch, I guess. Uh, it was not good, but it was. I don't know, really. Uh, there are multiple things to talk about. We'll start off with the one that everyone's focused on, which is the fact that Daniel Jones got injured in this game with an ankle. We mentioned it earlier, Tara Taylor came into the game for, uh, I think, four plays and then got a concussion. Uh, Daniel Jones was not cleared to go back into the game at that point so the Giants had to line up in Wildcat effectively for a, for an entire drive uh, I think even a drive and a half the Giants were playing Wildcat with Barkley at QB uh, we, we didn't attempt to pass the entire time we just sort of went out there uh, at one point Daniel Jones was on the sideline as a decoy receiver although I think it was someone close pointed us out that that's probably because that was the only way Brian DeBow could get the play call to the players on the field otherwise it was pretty much make it up as you go along uh, as you can the Giants were leading at that point and so we were asking our defense to come up with a play but the curse of punt returners against the Giants continues because the Bears fumbled um, Velas Jones Jr. Uh, muffed a punt on uh, in late in the fourth quarter which gave the Giants enough time to uh, get the ball back drive it uh, another 18 yards and then miss a field goal uh, but the Bears were never really in threat of winning this one especially when you're asking Justin Fields to throw while you're eight points down um Fields had his best, and I use that term very loosely, uh, game of the season. 11 for 22 and 174 yards, uh, and he rushed seven times for 52 yards. Uh, The Giants won this one pretty much on the ground. Saquon Barkley rushed 31 times for 146 (laughs) yards. Uh, Before his injury, Daniel Jones rushed six times for 68 yards, uh, and Tyra Taylor got in the action and rushed three times for 30 yards. Uh, so we were just running it at will. Uh, the, if the Giants can keep opponents under 20, they have a shot. Um, it's going to be weird. We're on a kind of short week because they have to travel to London to place the, uh, to face the Packers. So keeping teams to under 20 points, they have a shot. But the injuries coming out of this one uh, have mounted up significantly as the calls to replace the tariff at MetLife are very loud now. Uh, because besides Daniel Jones's ankle injury, uh, Julian Love has a concussion. Evan Neal has a neck injury. Uh, defensive tackle, backup defensive tackle, Henry Mondo has an ankle injury. Kenny Golladay has a knee injury. And Aaron Robinson, the cornerback, left the game as well. Uh, this currently leaves us with a starting wide receiver core of Richie James, David Sills, and Darius Slayton. And based on injuries, we could be starting Davis Webb at quarterback. So I've got plans Sunday uh, for about 2.30 until 6 that include not watching this game. (laughs) Uh, Or watching that Packers game. Anyone else got anything to say or add or want to know anything about it? No. Is Justin Fields the worst QB starting in a league at the moment? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. It's still close. Mitch Trubisky is still technically a starter. <laughs> I, I would take Mitch over Fields. Uh, Fields can do stuff with his legs that Mitch wouldn't even try. So Fields is Fields is not 
anywhere near good, but he's, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. He's definitely 31st out of 32nd at best, though. Uh, <laughs> if that I was I was going to bring up something like, and one of the guys that made me think about it was Fields, um, and it's that saw a lot of deep balls this week that felt like they hung in the air or went like more more vertical than they should, etc. And I can't tell if we're entering sort of a bit of a trough in terms of overall arm strength in in the sort of mid tier of NFL quarterbacks, or whether guys like. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, etc., have just totally like dwarfed my sense of what a strong-armed QB is, because they're <laughs> like I'm like I'm looking at like a forty-yard cross-field pass, going, "Oh, he's underthrown that. He's shit." <laughs> it's like, uh, no, maybe that's just a normal QB's arm, and and I can't like it, I just can't make sense of things anymore because Patrick Mahomes is fucking obscene, and and Allen and Lamar to an extent, and you know j- just these true like absolute and Herbert, Jesus, I can't believe I forgot Herbert on that one. Like, yeah, I I, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, yeah, like spoiled. now I've now I've pointed it out. Like I, I reckon the next time you like this Sunday, you'll put looking and go, oh yeah, there's a lot of QB struggling to throw like forty yards down the field, which is still Look, we're, absolutely. We're absurd. all watching Jimmy Garoppolo play tonight. All right, <laughs> forty yards. Hey, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, Jimmy Garoppolo can throw forty yards downfield. Just a bounce three times to get there. Hey, or or the wide receiver is only twenty yards downfield. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. the Super Bowl. Uh, wow. boy. Right, Vikings Saints column, the London game. Take us through it. Viking Saints, yes. Uh, this was a field goal <laughs> bonanza. The London game was um <laughs> was all about the kicking. Um, but you know it was a real spectacle. But only if you had Sky Sports because for some reason they didn't want to show this game on terrestrial TV. The Saints were seriously depleted on offense, missing key stars like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And if you want to include the bad players as well, Winston was also out. Naturally, this led to a very uh, uneven offensive output for the Saints. Uh, and first half was largely filled with punts. The Saints' defense did a great job of keeping them in the game, hurrying and pressuring Cousins throughout the game and preventing them from building up a massive lead. Uh, but the game came alive in the final quarter. Both teams added touchdowns, and in the final two minutes came the kicking fest. Uh, Lutz hit a 60-yarder to bring the score level. Um, uh, you know, a big completion, and then some guff from the Vikings uh, set them up for a 47-yarder to, uh, to get a go-ahead field goal. But with 20-odd seconds left on the clock, there was just enough time for the Saints to get back into field goal range uh, and managed to get... Um, you know, into the range for a 61-yarder uh, to draw the score level and take the game to overtime. But it double-doinked and bounced out, leaving a final score of 28-25, a Vikings' narrow win. Um, it was an inconsistent output for a London game, but field goal purists would have loved seeing this one live. <laughs> like I said, it was it was a weird game to watch. It felt very dull at times, and then suddenly came alive in the last couple minutes, really, didn't it? Yeah, I, I I put out what might be my favourite ever tweet of, of whimsy slash analysis, um, which was, I'd say that we were robbed of overtime by that missed field goal, but I also watched the first three quarters of this game, which was very much how that felt. <laughs> yeah, I won't lie, I started doing some house house chores while that <laughs> game was on, and then 
I missed part of the fourth quarter and had to watch it back because I was like, "Wait, when did the score get up that high?" It was yeah, yeah, it, it was. It, it was. It was one of those games where it was the only one on, and you, you were still like, uh, you know, I could do yeah. some taxes. <laughs> like there is washing up that needs doing. What it was was it was a good brownie point game. It was a yes, the NFL's on, but would you like to go for a walk? That's that was that was what it was great for. <laughs> it was would you like to go for a walk? No, uh, the Singapore Grand Prix on, <laughs> 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 which to be fair was also very, very much of a brownie point Grand Prix as well. Oh boy! Uh, right, let's move on to some quick recaps of teams and games that weren't all that much, and we don't really care too much about them. Uh, <laughs> Tom. Washington, Dallas. Did Carson Wentz survive? In terms of is he still alive, yes. Um, but he dropped back 42 times, or sorry, he attempted 42 passes. He dropped back more times than that um, and remarkably was only sacked twice. Um, I think I saw there was a stat that he was hit nine times and that was some way through the third quarter. Um, yeah, this was every bit a Washington Commanders team who had let their best guard go in Brandon Scherf and a couple of years ago traded their left tackle away for peanuts. And okay, Charles Leno, who was their replacement, is fine. Um, but this Dallas front four make good offensive lines look terrible. Um, and that was the case here. Um, but minus the good offensive line. Uh, a bit of a kind of C.D. Lamb coming out party. Okay, it was only 97 yards in the touchdown, um, but the touchdown was an absolutely glorious route, and he just looks like, despite the kind of moments uh, where he lapses and, and his concentration goes and he drops really easy receptions, like he is growing into the number one receiver that they desperately need. Um, Ezekiel Elliott had 49 yards on 19 carries and no touchdown. Um, the, he is like Jerry Jones might want to adopt him as a son, but he is not a good NFL running back at this point, And the fact that they paid him must be one of the worst value contracts for quite a while. Um, he did have a long reception for 31 yards, but that was just a dump off that basically he ran through the green, green grass. Um, Jahan Dobson scored. Cause you say, what a brutal way to say you should cut Zeke Elliott so he doesn't have to pay him any money. <laughs> I think he's paid him quite enough, to be honest. <laughs> um, Jahan Dotson scored a touchdown and got injured. He's probably going to be out a couple of weeks. Um, but the, I know I use this analogy a lot, but the Washington Commanders have really turned into a pumpkin since the first sort of dalliance for the where the couple for the first couple of weeks. Wow, that was an absolute shit sentence, wasn't it? They're not very good after pretending to be quite good for the first two weeks. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to say. Um, yeah, the if the it, as it was well documented, what they traded for Wentz was not a good deal, um, and regardless of who it is um, in terms of uh, which backup, whether it's Sam Howell or the guy that they had start like five games last year who hey, was a bit of a crush of mine but now they have Sam Howell who is the true crush of mine on this Washington team they have to make a change soonish because for as many 
comparisons to Roethlisberger as Wentz got early in his career. He is now late seat, like late stage Ben Roethlisberger. He can't run. He's behind a bad offensive line, and teams just tee off on him. So get someone in there with some legs, and you might win a few more games. Yes. I don't know what you talk about these teams further. Uh, <laughs> Colm, Chargers, Texans. Yeah, the Chargers cruised this one in the first half and then just flat out stopped caring. They were up 27-7 at the half and then only bothered to score one more touchdown. The Texans tried to get back in it, but just simply are not good enough as a team. Uh, Davis Mills threw some awful picks and got sacked a couple times. Uh, the Chargers should have won this one by 30, but simply could not be asked. Fair enough, fair enough. How, yep. how, nice, how nice was that Damian Pierce run? It was fine. I was more bothered by the Austin Eckler, uh, you know, uh, getting quite a lot of fantasy points, but not really having that much production kind of day. Um, another <laughs> one, to, you know. That sounds like Austin quite... Eckler's entire career. Yeah, it was quite a difficult one to face if you're against him in fantasy football this week. I think people could piece together your opponent's lineup in fantasy football this week, Colin. <laughs> if they really tried, you veiled it quite well, but I think there are clues in there somewhere. Oh, boy. Right. Uh, sticking with some AFC West uh, teams, or teams in this case. Yeah, teams in this case. Uh, the Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, let me just start by saying Max Crosby is an absolute should never play the game of football ever again. Uh, the thoughts and opinions of Brad Taylor does not speak for everyone on the And the Kick is Good podcast. Sorry, carry on. He injured uh, my absolute love, uh, Javante Williams, on this play. Uh, Javante Williams is now out for this season, potentially longer. Uh, he's been J.K. Dobbins. He has a ACL tear an MCL tear and an LCL uh, like rupture as well, I believe it was. It was uh, basically his right knee is fucked. Um, when, when we talk about knees exploding, we shall now be calling it Javante Williamsing. Yeah. That's kind of what you're getting at. His knee got Javante, uh, in this case. Uh, yeah, but that was all <laughs> caused by a Max Crosby tackle, so arsehole. Um, and... <laughs> Tom, you know, player on player, man crush on man crush violence that shouldn't happen for the And The Kicker's Good podcast because Tom now has to live with me hating Max Crosby forever. Uh, the Raiders won this 32-23. to 23. I don't want to watch either of these offenses anytime soon unless you are a big fan of Derek Carr force feeds the ball to Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs might be good. We don't know. Uh, it's really not an exciting game to watch. He's a budget Nick Chubb. That's all he ever has been. And that's what he still is. Uh, and yeah, Russell Wilson had a good first quarter, but uh, statistically, but you'd be hard pressed to see it. Everything about this Denver offense still applies, except now they've lost their stud young running back and the uh, replacement for him is either Mike Boone or Melvin Gordon, who currently leads the league in fumbles. Uh, at running back, at running back. Oh, At quarterback, it's uh, Matt Ryan with nine. Oh, God. <laughs> so Trevor Lawrence is just playing catch-up this week. Um, yeah, these two teams, not exciting to watch, but the Raiders now have a win. I think they're, that means they're the last uh, last team of the season to get a win. 
That sounds it's, right. No, so the Texans are still winless. They they drew that. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's those. Let's pass it along. Uh, column Titans Colts. Uh, the difference in this game was the Titans' run defense. Uh, Taylor couldn't buy a yard on the ground and had, you know, left the game at the end with an ankle injury, I believe it was. Uh, meanwhile, Derrick Henry is back to his usual punishing self and racked up over 100 yards on the ground. Ryan Tannehill was in full game manager mode, sometimes throwing his body at the first down marker to move the sticks. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan tried his best to throw his way back into this game. But if I was him, I would regret not having retired rather than playing with this mediocre shell of a Colts team. Um, Titans were clearly the better team. I don't know how the Colts got back into it. And then they still lost anyway. Uh, poor game to watch. Uh, just just quickly, because last week I just lambasted the, the Titans' ability to get any edge pressure. And they got three sacks this game. Was that just Ryan holding onto the ball too long? Was that him being a statue? Was that the Colts tackles just doing a terrible job like what what happened because it, I it's Danico Autry and Rashad Weaver so I don't imagine either of those or any of those three sacks came up the middle did they I uh, I think they all came off the edge from memory yeah um, yeah I just you know I just yeah. I, I lambasted them and like the, the plays that you saw from this game were Derek Henry you know running for a long run uh, Jonathan Taylor getting stopped, or Matt Ryan getting sacked. Like those, if you were watching on Red Zone, that was all you saw from this game. And so it was like, I, I, you know, when when thirty three percent of it is edge pressure, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I saw a different a different Titans team. But I like just just that was all I was asking. Like, what did they I, look like? Yeah. They could get edge pressure, or was it just like the Colts fucking it up? I would probably attribute to the fact that the third most receiving yards for the Colts this week was a guy called Kyler Granson. Um, and if you know who that is, then you clearly are a big Colts fan because that name means sod all to me. And that tells you a lot <laughs> about the state of this Colts team. Uh, right, right. Tom, finish us up for this for this Monday night recording. Uh, we'll have what, four or five games tomorrow uh, to go over. Uh, with the battle of the one score teams, uh, Browns Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Scott Hansen mentioned on Red Zone that both of these two teams were the only two teams to score at least 26 points in every game this season. And so both of them endeavoured to not score 26 this week. Uh, the Falcons ended up winning it 23-20. So thank fuck the shit shell of a Cleveland Browns team didn't somehow find a way to fall to 3-1. and one. Um I thought, whilst I was watching this game, that Marcus Mariota had a bit about him. I thought he completed some passes, I thought he looked good, there were some bad plays because it's Marcus Mariota, um, and then I looked at the box score where he had seven completions on 19 attempts for 139 yards and a pick. Oh, he had um, a field day. <laughs> um... Yeah, this was one of those games that both teams will have wanted to have won by more. Um, Nick Chubb had a Nick Chubb day, 118 yards, a touchdown on 19 carries. But Jacoby Brissett threw the ball 35 times in this game. And I'm just going to see how many times he's thrown the ball in each game like this season. Uh, 35 attempts, uh, this one just gone, and 31, 27, 34. Like, 
the fact that the Browns are 2-2 two and two when Jacoby Brissett is throwing the ball at least 27 times a game is not a good look for this team. Um, it is very fortunate he rushed for a touchdown in this game as well. But this Browns team were without Miles Garrett, who might be back this week. Uh, they were without um, Jadavian Clowney. Like, it, it is a husk of a Browns team that is still somehow winning games. But like it, it was just a very odd game to watch because you knew both of these teams shouldn't be winning and yet they were sort of both beating each other up in sub-mediocrity. Um, Corderell Patterson is on injured reserve for the Falcons and will be out, obviously, at least four weeks. Uh, Tyler Algier had 10 carries, but Caleb Huntley had 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown, and they have that he was like a, a practice squad promotion for the game. He has now been signed to the active roster, and I assume it'll be him and Algier going forwards, but without Patterson and his explosiveness and his ability to score a touchdown from kind of anywhere on the field, you would imagine this team is going to go even more kind of into the tank. Pitts had one reception on four targets. Like he, his second season has just been a complete bust. But then when you downgrade from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota, I expect that to happen. Don't like the Browns can be fun to an extent and so can the Falcons, but they should never be your number one team to turn on. And so I will throw forward to Tuesday night, Tom. Thank you very much, Monday Tom. Uh, I will now hand it to you, Tuesday Brad, to take us through the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so this one was hyped up to me before the weekend began as a potential clash of defensive juggernauts. Uh, Unfortunately, just like the Bills-Ravens, the weather had something to say about the quality of this game. Uh, it played in what was a monsoon-like weather, which I think the pitch ended up wetter than the front row of a boy band concert. It was weird game. Uh, the Eagles went 14-0 down uh, and then came back to win it 29-21, including 20 points in the second quarter. Uh, there was not a lot of great passing, but some good precision passing from both uh, quarterbacks. Lawrence was a bit shakier. Uh, Overall on the day he actually fumbled it four times. I think some of them were forced, some of them weren't. It was just that wet and the ball wasn't being dried off enough. Uh, This is one of those games where because the weather changes stuff, some of these skill slash X-factor players who sort of do a bit of everything come back into light and you sort of remember Oh yeah, you are an NFL player. Uh, So shout out in particular to Jamal Agnew, who caught four passes for 50 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, And (laughs) Miles Sanders had himself a day as well. Uh, 27 carries, 134 yards and two touchdowns as well. He was sort of the the figurehead of this, this offense. But similar to the Bills and Ravens I would love to see these two somehow obviously it's not going to not going not going to happen for unless a couple of years. unless uh, unless unless it's in the Super Bowl uh I would love to see these two play again in in a setting where the weather can kick you know the weather takes a back seat and we let these two teams play Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts both look like they've taken 
massive leaps forward as passers. Had, had you watched the Jags the offense. this season I before, before I, this game? I haven't. And okay. for a guy who went 11 for 23 <laughs> with two touchdowns and an interception and four fumbles, I still came away from it going, this is his bad game, yeah. and I still like this more than Justin Fields' good game, uh, yeah, which he had against the Giants. I- I'm glad like, you saw it too from the Jaguars and especially Lawrence, because... Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen this guy. I've barely seen any of this game whatsoever. And looking at a stat line, I was like, ooh, was I a bit early? But if you're saying that his performance outshone his stat line, then that's all I need to hear. Yeah, it's as I said, the, the rain was a massive factor in this one. If this was, you know, if this was a League One, League Two football game, this would have been called off <laughs> hours <laughs> before kickoff. It was that bad. You know, and you've seen some absolute slop that Portsmouth play. Uh, and it was it was that bad. So, but yeah, he looks so much better. And off off air, we have done the the uh, dr- uh, game draft for next week. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next week. Uh, the Eagles, though, they look very legit. Uh, <laughs> they look very very good, uh, which is concerning when you consider how young a lot of their players are. And you are a fan of an NFC East team. Uh, they are going to be a juggernaut in an NFC East, which feels like that's got a life expectancy of about two years. But it's going to be a long two years trying to, to topple this team. They just look so complete on defense. Uh, you know, some of the, the Jags points was on the tipped interception in that first quarter it wasn't anything that the defense could actually hold and you can't really blame Jalen Hurts for it either so yeah the the Eagles the last undefeated team in the NFL uh long may they reign I don't foresee a game in which they could lose for a while until they face the Packers in late November uh, they face the Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, and Colts between now and then. And why don't you, Tom, tell us about the Arizona Cardinals and whatever <laughs> the fuck they are this year? Funny, you should. Uh, I'm actually going to start off um, with uh, the Panthers who played the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, but it's a little known fact that Aristotle once posited. How many times can one charge their overpaid running back into the back of your offensive lineman before one or more of them get injured? This question went unanswered for hundreds of years until Matt Rule took it upon himself to find (laughs) out by way of the 2022 Carolina Panthers. And the crazy thing is, I kind of get it. (laughs) Um, As we know, the two parts of this offense that are worth any sort of NFL contract are Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And one of those two requires a somewhat accurate quarterback that the Panthers at least do not have starting for them right now in Baker Mayfield. Um, This game was appalling. It was not (laughs) worth the 42 points that were scored. The Cardinals winning by 10, 26 to 16. Um, The Cardinals scored 16 of those 26 points in the fourth quarter. I believe the first time any team had a snap in the red zone was with about nine minutes left in the third quarter that it was turnovers miscues um a dodgy snap on fourth and inches 
lost the Cardinals about 15 yards of field position as it went over Kyler Murray's head. That's happened multiple times this year, and I'm just beginning to get more and more worried about this team. And also, if you're a fan of Cliff Kingsbury, just look away at this offense right now. Long since gone have been the Arizona Cardinals are my must-watch offense of the week. (laughs) I, I don't understand what has happened um there was essentially no offense in this game until uh the cardinals or kyle murray threw a pass to zach Ertz in the end zone uh in the third quarter and the second most interesting part of this game was when i searched did zach Ertz recently have a baby as he did a rocking the baby celebration <laughs> with the american football and with, did the american, he? with the football uh, i believe so um, oh, that may have just been a joke, to, to be honest. Congrats but. to Zach Ertz and Mrs. Ertz if they have had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, it. I want to believe in this Cardinals team because though DeAndre Hopkins last season was not what we knew him to be the seasons prior, he is still obviously a talented player. We know James Conner can be a productive running back, and we know that Kyler Murray can come up with moments slash games of absolute heroics. So it's not difficult to to, to plot how this team could go on a 6-7 game winning streak until you watch them. And they look entirely dysfunctional, devoid of any sort of creativity that builds off of one play to the next. And I, I just... The, the the argument for and against Cliff Kingsbury, uh, and, and Steve Kime to an extent, is that they just signed their co- contract extensions. But the, 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 the argument against it is no head coaches or GMs go into the final year of their contract. Like it just it just literally does not happen. So it's sort of a non starter when you look at it from that point of view. Um As is any discussion about benching Baker Mayfield, right? <laughs> so uh, that's a non starter. Well, if they had anyone to go to, then fair enough. But their draft pick got injured before like he really had any sort of um preseason snaps and Sam Darnold's still a couple of weeks off. When he is fully healthy, I would expect them to make a change, even like just because you cannot trot Baker Mayfield out there for 17 games. Not this version of Baker, not behind this line. Um, l- largely, Christian McCaffrey is described as a one-cut, three-down back. But when he's having to make that one cut three yards in the backfield because the guard has been pushed back into his lap, like it, he he just doesn't have any effect in the running game. Eight carries for twenty seven yards. He did have nine receptions for eighty one yards, but a long of thirty four. A really nice touchdown grab, in fairness. So he does still flash talent, but he is wasted on this team. DJ Moore is a guy that I've never really got the hype around, but again, he is the other best part of this team, as I mentioned earlier. Um, the defense has pieces and flashes talent, but. I mean, what, what these two teams, they are miles different and yet entirely the same. <laughs> yeah, the Panthers down to one and three. Uh, the weird thing about the Panthers is they play good defense until they don't. And I think that's just a side effect of the offense doing nothing, right? But <laughs> like, even, th- even then, like the Cardinals could have put up 45 points if they stopped, if they just stopped fucking themselves over. Um, <laughs> cut, like, 
obviously with the fourth and inches that we mentioned, uh, Kyler Murray threw a pick, um, and there were there were two fumbles, neither of which were lost, but obviously had like uh, adverse effects on the um, like on the drive that they were on. And yeah. just crap punts. Um, the, the, I, I forgot to mention, the Panthers converted a fake punt play, but there was a penalty on it, and so it came back to 4th and 17, and they just punted it away. Like, it was that game where you just go, Jesus Christ, like, can this just <laughs> the end, one ex- please? The one exciting thing that does happen <laughs> is overturned. Yeah. Which is very yeah. sad. Yes. Yeah, uh, just... yeah, we had the position around Matt Rule. I think Steve Keim is joining I feel like the Cardinals and the Colts are in the same position very different you know in terms of how their rosters are and what the future is but they are also in the same position of these GMs got a lot of credit for their approach and these coaches seem to be the coaches that were getting the fundamentals and turning them around and now it's going in reverse and both of those positions you look at and go Cool, Steve Keim, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. They are, their seats are rapidly heating up, right? Like they, they are in danger of losing their job if if they haven't already <laughs> and they're just trying to get through the season. I, get, the I side, guess it's Matt Rule is the dead man walking. Oh, so. yeah, completely. Like if he, if he makes it to Halloween, he has done something incredible because there is, there is no positive part of this team like the, the the one nice thing we've ever basically said about Matt Rule is he understood what he needed to do to try and beat the Chiefs he didn't beat yeah. the Chiefs but he understood <laughs> that he couldn't score 17 points to beat them and since then I don't think we've ever said anything nice about him um, or positive or good or whatever so yeah I mean just make the change get him out of there it clearly isn't working he'll be he'll have a college head coach job before New Year's um, but I, I think the the question with the Cardinals now is okay. Like they're they're two and two, so they're they're still like they're by no means out of it. They're a bad two and two team, but like fuck me, I'd rather be a bad two and two team than a good zero oh and four team. Um, it, it's just like what what can they get to now to save their jobs? And I think six to seven wins is right on the cusp. If they make seven, if they get to seven wins. I think they can make a case for it. I think six wins is going to be tough for them to keep their jobs, or at least for both of them to keep their jobs. Um, I think anything so short of wild card position is enough to lose their job. Like if they get there and like maybe they lose on a tiebreaker, like okay, that might be enough. But I I think they're in a lot more of a perilous position than that. This needs to this needs to course correct into like you know. I, I I understand your no, point, but no, I think they can no point I think they can point to two very serious deficiencies on the roster right now. One is that their offensive line is fine, nothing better than that at any real position. Um and their corners are generally just getting absolutely toasted. Um and the 
back-to-back picks of um, inside linebackers Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins have not really panned out to be these generational defensive changes that they were hoping. Um, Now, is that because they were raw and they are rounding into shape? Maybe, and and possibly by like week 14, they have this incredible defense that that can kind of match up with anyone, even in base and, and whatever. But yeah, there's there's a lot of question marks around this team, and there's a lot of variance in in like everything that could happen between now and and like free yeah. agency next year. To their credit, they are currently interesting to talk about. Although that you know by week seven, week eight, they might be in Texans territory where we just don't care to talk about. Them. But at least these two teams right now are interesting to to ask the questions as why are they here. <laughs> what has happened? Uh, there are worse places to be, uh, for sure. Um, shall we move on to Sunday Night Football? Go ahead. Take us through two of the better teams that played this week. Oh, you think one of these is the better team? Uh, one of the better teams? That that says a lot. That um, says a lot about the rest of the week. <laughs> so, yeah, this game starts with a uh, Rashad White fumble on a kickoff return which leads to a two-play, 21-yard drive for a touchdown. Uh, so within 46 seconds, the Chiefs uh, are up 7-0. Uh, and Tom, I have to ask the question. <laughs> Is 59 minutes, 14 seconds too much time for Tom Brady and the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game? Uh I I plead the fifth. I'm actually not sure what the question is. <laughs> is it too much time? You know, have the Chiefs given them too much time? And the answer is uh, no. The Chiefs literally just put their foot to the gas and mowed through the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks, the much vaunted Bucks defense, couldn't force uh, the Chiefs to punt until the fourth quarter. They only managed to turn the ball over before that on downs uh, when the Chiefs went for it uh, on fourth and one at the Tampa 34. Uh, And the other play they got was an interception, which was late in the fourth. The Chiefs just ran away with it and were up significantly. At one point, they scored touchdowns on their first three drives, which put them up 21 to three. And from there, they just... This new look Chiefs offense with, yes, they are down Tyreek Hill, and that's completely changed the dynamic. But I do think that you are seeing more of Patrick Mahomes and why he is so good, and why everyone has told you that he is so good. Because the offense that he's leading just looks like it's capable of putting up 40 points every game. And to no surprise, they put up 41 points. They won this one 41 to 31. And they just, yeah, if the Chiefs, as you mentioned earlier with um, Matt Rule, right? If you let this Chiefs team get ahead and score and your defense doesn't come to play lights out, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, and that's just what happened for the Bucks. We know we've obviously, in the last two years, the career renaissance of Leonard Fournette has been fascinating to watch. Uh, he rushed it three times for negative three yards in this game. <laughs> so and they the knew Bucks, they had to throw the ball, but yeah, the Bucks rushed it a total of six times overall in the game. To be fair, he did catch seven passes for fifty-seven yards and a touchdown. But 
Brady ended up throwing it 52 times and this just did not like the Bucks like just did not look great like they were misfiring and if their defense has a down day like it did today at any point of you know where it matters they're going to be absolutely screwed this offense at least the past game is still very much hey can I get the ball to Mike Evans if I can't get the ball to Mike Evans, I'm dumping it off to, to the running back. Chris Godwin does not look half the player that he did last year. And as I said, on the other side of the ball, Travis Kelsey is still elite. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is having an amazing start to his season and looks every bit the sort of, you know, three-tool player that they thought that they were getting. Isaiah Pacheco has taken to the NFL like a duck to water uh, and is offering great relief runs. And the Chiefs overall, they must be the most exciting red zone offense to watch. And if you get them in a goal-to-go situation, they're usually going to do something that looks like it should never work. <laughs> it's a shovel pass to who, whichever running back or whichever tight end, whether it's a direct snap to Noah Gray, or whether it's Patrick Mahomes running around for eight seconds before jumping and delivering a ball over the defender into the open arms of Clyde Edwards-Lair in the end zone. Uh, two of those things happened in this game. They look great. And Juju Smith-Schuster... He is uh, what he he is lesser than what he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think he's more of an impact player in this offense. You can see him being targeted for first downs and and being trusted to make those plays. Loath and, as I am to credit Antonio Brown's football IQ, um, but when he was mouthing off about the Steelers after he left, he did say that Juju Smith-Schuster was always a two, never a one. And I think that might have been one of the only true and undebatable things that he's ever said at this point. He will never be a true NFL alpha X receiver, but if you need him to be part of a committee, he will be the best part of that committee. Yeah, it's he is he 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 walked so that T. Higgins could run. <laughs> And, <laughs> and sure, sounds, sounds like I'm damning on T Higgins, but T Higgins is thriving because of the Jamal Chase is you know the number one yeah. receiver, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's, yeah, it's it, it's that situation all over again. So yeah, I'm a big fan of what this Chiefs team uh, are, and look forward to to watching them more the rest of the way. The Bucks, I mean. The Bucks are, are are two and two. They don't look like they're going anywhere fast, and there's about to be a media storm around Tom Brady because he, him, and uh, Giselle have apparently both uh, hired divorce lawyers. So I, I just don't know what this season's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be a fruitful one for him or Todd Bowles. Tom, talking of uh, possibly fruitless seasons, do you <laughs> want to talk us through the all-NFC West Monday Night Football Clash between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers? 
loathed as I am to use the term Super Bowl hangover. <laughs> you can, you love the phrase loathe I am this week. That's the second term. <laughs> loathed as I am to overuse the term loathed as I am. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the Rams are waking up on a musty smelling sofa in a room they don't recognise desperately searching for their keys and their phone um they have they are two and two they lost to the san francisco 49ers uh, 24-9 in a game that is pretty much accurately reflected in the score um the rams scored three field goals one in each of the first first three quarters and basically couldn't really get the ball past midfield in the fourth quarter um the Niners put up 10 points in the final quarter, seven of them, or six of them, coming on a pick six um, from uh, new favourite player of Columns uh, and soon-to-be NFL household name Talanoa Hufunga. Um, I can say this because Colum isn't here and he will never listen back to this podcast. Um, but he is really fun to watch. Um, really, really fun. The, the like incredibly lazy people are comparing him to Troy Polamalu because he has a similar sort of Islander name and trained with him before the the draft and also came from USC, which is where um, Polamalu came from. He also has long flowing hair and plays in and around the line of scrimmage as a safety. But he doesn't have the coverage abilities that that Polamalu had. Like he's not Troy Polamalu, um, and will not be in that discussion for at least another half decade yet. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, need to get out ahead of that one. But um, yeah, so that 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 happened with about three minutes left at pick six. Um, so at that point, the Rams needed to drive and score the two-point conversion to even tie the game up. So it, it wasn't an egregious score, but it, it was one of those that really sealed the game. Um, the Rams, as I said, are now 2-2, two and two, and the teams that they have beaten are the Atlanta Falcons and the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals. They have conceded 24 or more points in three of the games that they have played, and Matt Stafford has not thrown a touchdown in two of them. Something is greatly wrong. Their offensive line is a shadow of what it was last season. And the Robert Woods never really got going in, in LA, right? He had a few good games here or there. He... You know, he would have a couple of like 70 to 80 yard reception games and, and maybe like a two touchdown game here every month or so that made you sort of flirt with him in fantasy. But trading him away for next to nothing and going and acquiring Alan Robinson, whilst I appreciate it, it is a move based in salary cap, it has made their passing game demonstrably worse. Um, they are targeting Ben Skronik and other people just a huge <laughs> amount. Like Ty- Tyler Higby had 14 targets in this game. Tyler Higby is a fine to, to decent NFL tight end. He should not be commanding 14 <laughs> targets. I refuse well, that as a notion. I know the, the issue is the, the offensive line. And obviously the hit of losing Whitworth, and it seems like he was really holding that together you know it's easy to say that oh he's gone but that's the 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 clear and obvious change right but the the complete lack of run game has destroyed 
any hope of what this team wants to be. But, right? but then Especially they're not they're not doing anything to of... change it. All, all they're doing is just running more, like in the hope that eventually <laughs> it's going to get better. Um, uh, again, hey, like on the subject of the 49ers. again, yeah, they exactly. just keep running. <laughs> exactly on on the subject of running the ball, right? They had um, a Jeff Wilson thirty-two yard touchdown run, so that was one of their touchdowns. The other one was a Debo Samuel fifty-seven yard touchdown reception that was about a, a nine-yard completion, and then he broke three <laughs> or four tackles and, and and ran away. Great run, like electric run, right? One of those that. You watch. He looked him. so like, fast. He, he looked like fucking Roadrunner. His legs. You go back and watch that play. You watch how he's yeah. moving with that agility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's so fast. His legs but, but are he, literally spinning. He catches the ball in front of the like the DB dives to make a play on the ball. He then goes like four or five paces in front, and then he's like fifteen yards past the line of scrimmage. And from that moment, you go put a hundred defenders on that field. They ain't tackling him. Like it, 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 there was that level of like Marshawn Lynch, Derek Henry inevitability of that play. Um, but again, long chunk yardage play. And then the other touchdown they scored was a pick six. So I, none of this is really desperately sustainable. It's not like they were having really long drives getting to the red zone and then punching it in. So if you play this game again, yes, they probably win, but. Whether it's like this one-sided, I, I'm not sure. However, the the thing you cannot get away from with this San Francisco 49ers team is right now their defense is up there with the Eagles as the best in the league. And they do it in a slightly different way. Um, Bosa leads the league by a metric fuck-ton in pressures. Um, I don't think he has that many sacks this season, which... You can kind of subscribe to to two schools. One is that like pressures are ultimately more important than sacks because you can you can pressure a quarterback into a turnover, whereas if you sack a quarterback, you know they they get another play. Yeah. Um, so, so so pressures ruin more plays than sacks do. Sacks results in more lost yardage, but you know, and a loss of down, but you know pressures more consistently cause plays to be blown up right but the defense is ne- uh, the the focus is never going to be on that because it's not as pretty and it's not as easy to point to and go that man tackled the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage you know yeah um, get, so this, this is saying that Bose has six sacks which I think would lead the NFL so it I was does. talking shit um, but yeah I, I just everything else kind of revolves around Bosa um they didn't have Kinlaw in this game they lost their other defensive tackle so it's kind of Bosa and then their linebackers Dre Greenlaw had like 15 tackles in this game Fred Warner we talk about ad nauseum and then it's just about making the secondary fit that um and and so they play the run with like four guys and the linebackers just fill the gaps it just works on every single level at the moment. But how sustainable that is, if your offense isn't getting those chunk yardage touchdowns, will be something to be seen. Um, yeah. I'm just wondering who the 49ers so, play over the next month. But yeah, go on. While you look that up, I have probably the most egregious question that a month ago uh, you would have thought me but a naive fool uh, simply trying to troll you. But is Geno Smith the best quarterback in the NFC West right now? 
No. <laughs> but the fact that you had to think about it is problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and part of me wants to ask you to leave that entire silence in there. <laughs> to... to, 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 to give you a true idea of how much I actually had to gauge that question. Um, <laughs> next four opponents for the Niners, um, at Carolina, at Atlanta, versus Kansas, at Los Angeles. I think if you're being a realist, you go 3-1, and 2-2. Two and two. If you really want to be optimistic, you could say that defense can, can really try and shut down Kansas, run the ball, kill the clock, and you might be able to, to, to argue for 4-0. and Shut down but, Kansas? No, that defense has got a bigger problem. They have to stop Atlanta from making this a one-score game. <laughs> um, but, but what I was about to say is against a team like Atlanta, that is the game that I could see this Niners team not getting those chunk yardage plays and suddenly only scoring 10 and Atlanta managed to get a few fluky plays, like a kick return here, force the Jimmy Garoppolo like strip sack, return that for a touchdown, and suddenly they win it like 15-10. Like, that is within the realms of this 49ers team, and ultimately will be why, if they do make the playoffs, they won't be a very strong team going into it. Yeah, they're, they're, there are very few candidates right now for... Super Bowl favorites, right? There are probably th- three <laughs> in the AFC, uh, and then there's probably like I think probably only one in the NFC right now of the Eagles. I don't think you'd put you'd look around every other roster and in, in the in the NFC and you'd go, I don't have faith in what you are right now. <laughs> you look at the yeah. Eagles and go, this is yours to. This is yours to lose, really. Uh, which, whereas... which we did we did expect coming into the season in terms of we, we did think the AFC was going to be a lot stronger than the NFC, but I, I don't think we saw it to this extent. Yeah, I don't think we saw the, the growth of the Jags to be what they are, yeah, where yeah, they exactly. are arguably the fifth best team in the AFC. If, if I told right you, now. right, so so kind of forget the other six teams that would make it, but if I told you the Detroit Lions got into the NFC playoffs, what odds would you get them of getting to the championship game? This Lions team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they'd have a shot, wouldn't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they actually would have a shot, which is remarkable. You look at the 07 Giants and you go, yeah, they can do it. The, the Lions. <laughs> Sometimes they the, just need to get hot. Yeah, the Lions just, they get that defense right. The O-line stays the way it is. Yeah, they can make a run. <laughs> Jared Goff keeps channeling every Hall of Famer from the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, Ridiculous. Including the spirit of Eli. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that wraps us up for, for this week in a little mini two-parter. Uh, we look forward to week five where hopefully some of the games are a little bit more exciting overall. I think there are some some gems in there. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add, Tom? If not, you can take us home. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at The Kick Is Up. But until next week... It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. I love you.